Welcome to Transforming Education, Leadership Lessons. This podcast is hosted by Northwestern College. We're bringing you thought leaders who are influencing education and the world around them. Each episode provides new leadership lessons so you can learn how to embrace your own influence. Leadership has nothing to do with title or position. That leadership has to do with impact. And the role of a leader isn't to create followers, it's to enable more leaders. Take away leadership qualities that inspire. I think good leaders really get people brought together around a cause and can inspire them to be better than they were yesterday or to do something great. Care about others. We need teachers out there that are caring and compassionate and are interested in the student beyond the discipline that they're teaching. Show people they matter. We don't have a bullying problem. We don't even have a gun problem. We have a mattering problem. By knowing you matter. You matter to yourself first before you can matter to someone else. So further your impact. When you just authentically love your students, I just don't think you can help but grow. Understand your core values. You can tell pretty quickly any core leader, whether or not he or she is there for the mission at hand for the people that they serve or whether they're there for themselves. And align your mission. Everything we do on campus, whether it's someone in the maintenance department or someone teaching in the classroom or to coach, uh, it should tie back to our mission of impacting students for the cause of Christ. Discover how to use your influence to inspire others. That is why the relationships is so critical in everything we do, because when people know you care about them, they know yet they have your best interest, and then it sinks in. Let's welcome our host, Gary Richardson. Thank you, Leslie. I want to thank all of you listening to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons, where we bring in thought partners to inspire and influence your leadership. In this episode, we will be discussing leadership lessons with Dr. Rourke Horn. This is our second podcast recording with Rourke as Rourke joined us back in 2020 in the summer, almost two years ago today when the pandemic was going on, and that was our topic for that day. So that was one of the more popular podcasts with Rourke that time, and Dr. Horn is set to retire this week after a career which began as a teacher in the Jessup School District superintendent at Northeast Hamilton Hudson and then serving as chief administrator for Central Rivers AEA and Rourke is now and will be ending as the executive director of school administrators of Iowa. So Rourke welcome back. Yeah thanks Gary appreciate you having me back it's a it's an honor. I'm reminded that you'll be leaving tomorrow to end a a career that has seen you in a ton of leadership roles. Anything you care to share about that, just overall, as, you, as you're reminiscing? Thanks for the opportunity to reflect. I guess the word that maybe the adjective that comes to my mind is, is excitement. I just think there's so many opportunities out there in education right now, and it's easy to kind of get bogged down by some of the negativity around it. Gary, you and I have been doing this you know, a long time, and we've always combated that negativity with good, solid work. And I think the opportunity for changes in education, improvements in education is vast right now. And so I'm just really excited for the future. I I wish I was going to be more of a part of it, but I'm honored to have been a part of getting us to this point. So the the only thing I'll be disappointed in is if we don't take advantage of this moment and these future moments to continue to move things forward for our kids. But in reflection, I think um, it's been a wonderful 40 years and just to have the joy of coming in and doing what you always wanted to do every day. I'm just very grateful and appreciative of that. Yeah, gosh, you've affected just tons of kids over the over the time, although directly in an administrative role, 
indirectly, those students across the state of Iowa have benefited, particularly as you've led the leaders in, in the state of Iowa the, the past eight years. I'm wondering, Rourke, you know, going back to your, even the, the early days as a principal and then now, all those leadership roles, as you've gone through that, and I, I want to come back to what you said about you know, staying the course and weaving around the negativity, but I'm wondering what's changed over those years in leadership and, and then what hasn't changed? Yeah, Gary, I think our generation was kind of reflect back on, we, we were on kind of the cutting edge of change, you know, at a time when change needed to happen. When we were teaching, I think administrators were kind of viewed, and leadership was kind of used as purely management, yeah. you know, making sure the resources were in place and that you had your uh, students sitting in rows and desks, you know, uh, getting information from the teacher or exactly. whatever. And we changed that. And I'm really glad that we did because I, and I think we, we got ahead of where then came the internet and all that stuff. But at that point we were already prepped to accept those changes and, and make use of those. So I think leadership became more about best practices and, you know, how to really focus on learning as opposed to the accumulation of knowledge and how do kids learn and so on. And so we got to do that. And I think that's what kept you and I, people like us in leadership for just so many years, is it just was always kind of exciting. It wasn't, you know, here's another budget or, you know, here I got to order these desks or whatever. You know, you got to do that. But it's really for us, our whole time in leadership, it's been about best practices and teaching and learning. And those continued to evolve mm -hmm. over the last two and a half decades. So that was fun too. You know, we, we got to stay on top of that and help our staff, you know, get there. And then, oh, the, well, here's some, some new ways of looking at learning. And then how do we make sure our staffs have that information and so on? But like you said, ultimately, it's always been about what's in the best interest of the kids. And today's kids are much different than their parents. And then, sorry to keep throwing the age out, but you and I, they're grandparents. Yep. <laughs> So many times uh, over. Yeah. So that, that evolution in leadership, I think, has helped spur this evolution in education. I remember just going back to my first PD I was in charge of. I thought, we just can't keep doing things the way that we've done them. And I didn't really have a plan. That was a bad part. But I said, I'm just going to have our own people do it. I'm going to take the best that we have because I know people respect them. And we're going to have a two-day workshop at the beginning of the year with our own people leading it. And I got about halfway into that planning and thought, oh, boy, I'm way in over my head. But I had two or three people that were really good. And I can remember in the hallway that day, people were saying, this is really good. We needed this, which then led to knowing that people needed to talk about best practice. They needed to do it on their own. If somebody comes in to tell them what to do, it doesn't work very well. Right. If they can do it together and collaborate, that's really important. And that carried on. Um, at MOC Floyd Valley, where we received the Merit Pay Grant. This was a number of years ago, but we used that to set up a system of teacher leadership within the summers and then carried that through PD during the school year. So those things, as you said, were really fun to provide best practice for our own staff from our own staff, made things, I think, just more meaningful, and I think it affected the kids in a positive way. So and remember, Gary, how reluctant some of those teachers would do. I mean, everybody on your staff knows who the great teachers are. Yeah. But then you go and ask those people, will you lead professional development for your peers? Oh, yeah. And then so that's the 
that's the importance of a talented leader is is helping those people to be able to have the you know the confidence and the I guess the wherewithal to make sure that they and then and then like you said once once that started then everybody wanted to do it and everybody had something to give and so on and so forth but that's what talented leaders do is they get the building and the people in the building to the next level yeah and do it in a way where everybody feels that they're involved and that they matter um, right. and that everybody has some value so that was exciting to see i i would agree and then it turned into the teacher leadership compensation grant i'm not saying what we did but it's that view was recognized by state legislators and and pushed by people like yourself to where we have that system now and i think that most people would never want to go back i'm interested rourke in this knowing that you spend time every year with big school leaders with state leaders the governor's office, even those in the legislature. I think that what I want to ask is this, is that for people that are, are young or new to leadership or even in the programs that we invest in with aspiring principals or aspiring superintendents, we hear consistently when we talk to people in the podcast about leadership is about building relationships, it's about communicating, it's about listening. And I agree with all of those things. Those are really true, and it is that simple. And you said it in our last podcast about being available, accessible, and approachable, which is just really good wisdom. What is it when you work with these state leaders who we all can see on TV or hear all the time, other than those things, what is, what's a quality that they may have that when you look and listen, you go, yep, that's why they're in the position they are? Threw you a curveball there, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, no, that's okay. I think in, in some of those areas, it's, a, it's about influence. It may be a little bit about who you know. It's how you can market and promote yourself to be able to serve other people. Those are all pretty high qualities. When I think about how that might, because I can see your next question coming, how that might port over to school leadership. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that there is a marketing aspect of it to leadership that's pretty important. I mean, the expectations have changed over the last 40 years in the sense that there is an expectation that, that you inspire and motivate. And if, if you're getting into school leadership and not thinking that you have to do that, that everybody is motivated and so on, that's not the era that we're in. I think you and I got support from the community, from parents in the work that we are doing in the classroom and maybe as a building leader. These days, it's hard for people to they may feel like they really support what's happening in the school, right? but they don't necessarily want to stand up against the ones who don't support. And this is public private. I mean, this is just education in general. Yeah. Right now, we're, I think in this moment, we're kind of letting the loud voices try to dictate an influence. Again, perspective, Gary, you and I have been through rounds of this. This is just a cyclical thing. It happened 10 years ago, and it happened 15 years ago, and it happened 20 years ago, and it's happening now. And we always come back better and stronger from this in our education environment, and we're going to this time, too, because we're on the side of what's in the best interest of all kids. So when you approach things with that value, you're always going to hold out, and you're always going to, I guess if it's a contest, you're always going to win in a sense that you'll continue to get to do the right work for kids. Yeah. I want to circle back and talk about those times or eras of negativity, whether it's a budget cut of 2008 or whether it's how we certify people or how we react. There's two things now that I think of 
when I think of the people that are actually in the field doing the work every day as administrators, and, and that is, how would I have changed to handle the intensity and focus that parents want to have in schools? When we started, it was, here, you take them, and if you have any trouble, you just call me, and it's not that way. So how is it, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, we would have to find ways to communicate better. We need to find ways where we can get these people in front of us so that we're talking and not hiding behind some social media or hiding behind something else that someone else said. But in the area of parental involvement, what would you suggest or what do you think about? I agree with you to a certain extent. That's why I love visiting with you, Gary, because we have the same perspective on the important things and then you know, you help me think broader on these, on other things. But for me, it's about perspective. There have always been, let's go back to earlier comment. There have always been people who wanted to see schools not succeed. Uh Their motivation, their rationale, their reason is foreign to us because that's the work that we do. So it makes no sense to us, but it makes sense to them. And they're willing to, some of them are willing to be, you know, bold and, and push back and the whole bit. The more they push back, to me, is indicative of how much success we're having in education. Because if if we weren't doing a good job, those people, you wouldn't be hearing from them. And to me, that's what happened during the pandemic. For a while, I kind of struggled. Maybe even when we talked a couple of years ago, I was struggling like, wow, educators have taken this moment, which is devastating, and made it work for, mm-hmm. for kids and everything like that then how come there's so much backlash? And then it's, you know, then it's light bulb time. It's like, oh, it's because we did such a good job in education that people are pushing back. So when you hear these vocal, really loud minorities really pushing, I always kind of sit back and smile a little bit and think about, well, the perspective on that is if they were getting their way, they wouldn't be doing that. And they're probably doing that because we're doing our jobs and making sure that education continues to move forward. So I think for leaders, the important thing to remember is to not let those people be overly influential. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when some of them are having influence on the decisions that are being made in education, like say at the, at the state and national level. If the perspective is that's because we're doing such a good job, we can sit in that and go, okay, well, we're going to continue to do the great work that we're doing and this will play itself out. What about this age of resignation, right, where people are leaving? They're leaving at all levels and in all institutions. And in the, the area of education, it's happening just like everywhere else. And, and there's a maybe there's some frustration on the educators' part on the things they have to do now because it's changed. But it's also an opportunity because it has changed. This is what we're looking for. You maybe get a different clientele. But what would you propose if you were going to be in your role for the next five to six to seven years, as far as how do we get people into the profession? Well, the simple answer, and I'll have to peel the onion back here a little bit, but the simple answer is we need to make it uh, attractive. Some of the reason, I think most people are leaving education, not because they want to, but because they have developed a skill set that's really valuable out there for business and other entities that are now competing in the workforce. So you think about what it takes to be an effective teacher. You can communicate complex uh, material to students. You can make good choices on what to communicate and what not to communicate. 
you're a problem solver, you're loyal, dedicated, you're filled with integrity. That's what everybody wants. You know, they figure, well, then I can train you in the in the work that we're doing as a business or whatever. But I want people with that skill set because I can't teach that. Yeah. So you come out of college and the district's offering you a job at thirty five to forty thousand and boy, you can earn more if you want to do more work like coaching and, you know, that kind of stuff. And you're $50,000 in debt. And you hear, again, some of these loud voices that say, you know, education's, you know, going downhill or whatever. We're competing against all that. And the one thing that we have going for us is the opportunity to, to influence. So with that context, to get to your question, I think we need to know and understand what the situation is, first of all, which is that why I provide that context. I think the simple answer is we need to make the work attractive. There are a lot of people out there that would love to be around kids every day in a classroom, uh, getting inspired by what they do and having the opportunity to inspire them. Just the reasons we got into education 40 years ago still exist. But then we have to do the other stuff as well, too. And that's where I think leaders come into play. You know, how are you promoting and marketing the work that you get to do, you know, in your particular building, your particular district, or for like us, statewide? I don't know that I have the answer for that. I don't, I, people say, well, it's, it's, it's not money. Yeah, it kind of is. You know, if you, yeah, if you come is. out of, yeah, if you come out of school with $50,000 in debt, it kind of is. You know, so we've got to think about that. What do we have to attract people to our schools? Well, a lot of times the schools think, well, we have to do that on our own. No, you don't. You got a whole community of people who want to see the school succeed. So what are they doing to help embrace these people that want to come into the profession? What are they doing for, you know, living opportunities and and the things that this generation of kids wants or students, I guess, adults now, what do they want? I think it's really a community effort and those communities that pull together and say, we're going to surround and, and, and embrace and develop the school and provide not just quality place to work, but a quality place to live. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's the answer or one of the answers. Yeah, the community culture makes a big difference and culture within not only the district, but the building makes a big difference. And then, and you said it, how do leaders help make sure that people do a better job than they ever thought they could do? That's the essence yeah. of, of leadership. And how do we do that? And it's different in every, every place, but it's providing opportunities for best practice, providing opportunities to grow, and providing opportunities to be recognized when they do do a good job, and influencing the thought processes that go into all of that. But now that's really good. Rourke, if you, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. So I had this happen uh, when I was leaving uh, AEA to come to SAI. So going from public practice to a nonprofit and essentially retiring from public practice, they had this roast, you know, the <laughs> superintendents and the AEA meet every month. And so in May, they had this roast. And so it was fun. So I had to sit up there and, you know, listen to people tell Rourke stories. And, and uh, turns out there are lots of those out there. Um, <laughs> some are factually based. Yeah. Uh, I won't say what percentage. But anyway, I just vividly had one person get up and, and say uh, this. Rourke, what I really appreciated about you was that you, that you always made me feel like I was special, like, like I was the most important person. 
with the other 50 people in the room, and I suppose this was a setup, but they started chirping up too. And you, I thought I was his most important. <laughs> I mean, they started doing this and I kind of sat there and it was, it was a funny moment or whatever, but I thought, you know, I hope that there's some truth in that. If you're going to put something on my tombstone, I hope that that's what it is. And that's that he made us, uh, each one of us feel special. That's, I guess that's what I've really tried to do. I tried to never get caught up, even when you're leading an organization that serves 2000 people. I guess I never tried, wanted to get caught up into, we're going to throw stuff out there that for the majority of people or whatever, I guess I just always wanted to individualize the work, just like I wanted to individualize my staff as a school leader. And just like I wanted to individualize my students in the classroom. So, so sorry, that was kind of a long run, longer run from scrimmage, but that <laughs> well, I won't remember the answer now, you know? Well, I will, because that's exactly how I felt when we worked together for a few years is uh, you made us feel like we were necessary and important. And I think, as we talked earlier, I think that is what leadership is about, is our job is to move people forward and move them forward. Everybody can move themselves forward. A leader moves them forward farther than they thought that they could go. Yeah, that's such an important point, Gary. I mean, I put a highlighter on that one because it, I don't want people to go away thinking, well, it's always about patting people on the back and then affirming and the whole bit. Uh, for some of us, and you, you know, you've done this for many years as a coach and so on. For some of it's people are motivated by by wanting to get better, and sometimes the only way you can do that is just really sitting them down and having a frank conversation with them. So that's part of what leadership is as well, too, is figuring out what motivates each particular person and then providing that for them so that they can turn around and get better. Exactly. So I always ask this question, but I'm not really sure I need to here. We've talked about a lot of things, but I am interested if you're curious about anything in education as you as you leave what you're doing now, although you're going to you'll still be involved. Um, what are you curious about? Uh, to me, the thing I'm most curious about is how we use this moment. This is the moment that and this is kind of why you and I think are still in it, Gary. This is the moment that we've been waiting for for 40 years, a defining moment. The other side of the pandemic, are we going to claw back to the way we did, we quote unquote, did education in February 2020? Are we going to claw back to that? Or are we going to use this time to get really excited about education? We found out so much during the pandemic about student learning and and how we can motivate that and how we can individualize that. There's just, just so much experience on that now. And, and it's harder. Uh, it's harder to individualize. It takes more time. Uh, but the results are ex exponentially just mm -hmm. so much better. So that's what I'm excited about. I want to, that's what I want to see, you know, happen in education. And I'm just going to be so disappointed if two years from now we're doing another podcast and you and I are kind of bemoaning the fact that, why it doesn't look any different than it does than it did in February 2020. Well, we don't want to be one of those guys. <laughs> well, we will be. <laughs> if education doesn't use this moment to progress, yeah. you and I are going to put up a fuss, my friend. Yeah, the curmudgeonry will be loud. Yep. Yeah. And justified. So I want to know what you're reading for you for pleasure as you go into semi-retirement. That's one of my hobbies, and that's I get alley if I don't read a book a week, a non-educational, non-trying-to-get-better, right. you know, spy thriller. Yep. 
I get alley if I don't read one of those a week. So now I'm hoping to bump that up to two, you know, a week. But I still need to continue to grow professionally if I'm going to serve future students well. So I'm really excited about it. We've got Greg Bell coming to our SAI conference here in a couple of weeks, first week in August. Just we've been studying his work. It's just uh, wonderful uh, what's going well and Water the Bamboo. And, and these aren't new books. You know, Water the Bamboo is probably 10 years old. But to get Greg to come in and inspire people on are not solely on leadership, but just taking care of your own potential. Our local writers always inspire me. The fact that I'm, I'm just so pleased that we spawned a generation of people who are excited about doing this, but Jared Smith's stuff with learning curve and Jared just puts it out there. I mean, he just rips himself wide open and talks about, you know, not just the successes, but the challenges that that he's faced that have led to successes and the lessons we should take from that. And that just kind of fits in with uh, the Gary Richardson and I hope Rourke Horn thing that, you know, we, we can't just always be positive. We have to embrace the negative and learn mm. from it. Permission to be great by Dan Butler, who's a, our a BRSAI president starting here at oh, conference. Nice. This has been a, a wonderful book, you know, just a, uh, it changes perspective thinking. It, it allows you to grow. And sometimes we limit ourselves in doing that. And then this was a book I have been reading uh, starting this spring. You and I have talked about my equity journey in the past, maybe in the last podcast, but I continue to need to grow as an old white male. I need to continue to yeah. grow in this area. Yeah. And this has just been a wonderful uh, book and resource for me from Corwin Press called Collective Equ Equity. So. That's what's on my uh, to-do list, along with a lot of uh, what Vince Quinn and Brad Thor and that. Preaching that, to the choir there, stuff. brother. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm Tom Clancy's newest. I'm Tom Clancy, just, yeah. Just about bet. done with. Yeah, but. I got them stacked up at home, the ones I've fallen behind on. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready in one day, six hours, 26 minutes, <laughs> and 11 seconds. Well, congratulations. It's been a pleasure to have you lead the leaders in the state of Iowa and whatever rest you find you deserve and the impact that you've had on kids and adults has been enormous. And I say that from personal experience and want to thank you uh, for all that you've done and taking time to, to just do this little old podcast at Northwestern College. Well, thank you. It, it's uh, It's been an honor, my friend. And Deeply appreciate your friendship and your your inspiration and the uh, the work that you've helped us be able to lead as well too. And I'm so tickled for Northwestern that you're there doing that work. And uh, yeah, it's got a it's got a place in my heart too. So yeah. let me know what else I can do in the future. I'll be in touch. Thanks, Rourke. Thanks, Gary. See you soon. Okay. All you right. bet, buddy. Thanks to Rourke Horn for giving of his time and sharing his wisdom as we reflect on leaders that inspire and influence education and our world. And thanks to Rourke for his 40 years in education, leading and serving. We appreciate that. So, Leslie, what are the highlights that you got from listening to us uh, curmudgeons <laughs> talk about leadership? So much insight. It was really great to have him back on the podcast yeah. and really too many great nuggets of, of insight to boil down. But I enjoyed him talking about just what has changed in education mm -hmm. already and in leadership and in teaching, kind of from that older model of managing you know, resources and kind of that one-way information dissemination yep. to 
what we have now in, in teaching and leading and looking for those best practices and building relationships and individualizing that education experience for each student is we've seen how that's been so powerful and, and needed. Yeah, he said a couple things about the state leaders that he's around, but they find a way. They actually become influencers, and, and that I hadn't thought of that, but that's true. Mm-hmm. And they have figured out ways to, or somebody has for them, to market their ideas. Right. Yep. And that's the big change. Uh, that is a big change, but also characteristics that people that are aspiring to be in leadership positions will have to have to come to grips with. Yes, and that's one trait we've not really ever talked right. about. And you know, marketing is my wheelhouse, so I'm mm-hmm. you know giving a little cheer for that as well because Rightly marketing so. is, is designed not to be manipulative, but really to help influence and change perspectives and people's beliefs and ideas and, and feelings towards something. So of course, around education, marketing makes sense. It makes sense to um, show what the power of education can be and, and the influence that each educator can can be. Yeah, I and we are setting up our fall leadership conference and Joe Sanfilippo will be here and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. That That's what he'll share with us on how do you exactly. do that. And I think that's really important. And Warwick said, talented leaders get the people in their building to the next level. Yep. And that's the idea of, of understanding what motivates each of your educators or even your students and how can you use that to, to leverage their belief in themselves and move them forward. And we want to remember that we made people feel special and feel known and needed and necessary. And it sounds like he's created that legacy for himself and something we can all aspire yeah. to. Yeah, Brooke's a good one. That's for sure. I was trying to get him to give us some books from a nonfiction, and he mentioned a couple, but he threw out a, a few books that are really good, and I wrote them down, So, but I didn't write them down in detail. What do we have? <laughs> yes, yeah, so a lot of great professional development books. Uh, Greg Bell in What's Going Well and Water the Bamboo, Dan Butler, Permission to be Great, Jared Smith, yeah. The Learning Curve, and Collective Equity by Sonia Hollins-Alexander and Nicole Law. So ways we can all continue to grow and apply to our professional lives, but really in our our personal lives as well. Yeah. I want to thank all of you for listening to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. You have tons of options, and we're glad that you spent time with us today. As a leader in education, you matter, and how you lead matters to a whole bunch of people that you serve on a daily basis. You were created for significance. Thanks to Leslie and Mike for being here and helping with the podcast. And for them, this is Gary. Until next time, inspire and influence.